Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every day, we rise. Challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Come on, G-Day, wait! wait. Come on, G, kick it! This is a disaster. Welcome to the Tower Podcast. It's Namar. It's Chris. Where we uh, contemplate existence. Uh, existence, with- <laughs> dude. So let me set the scene for you at least. I'm driving down to DC for the Leafs game tomorrow night, mm-hmm. and I'm on 70 South. I look at my phone; it's blowing up. Then I see Raptors down by 25. I'm like, oh, that's a funny joke. So I open up the score on ESPN, and I'm like, they are down 25. Uh, what the fuck happened? <laughs> <laughs> I stopped to get gas. I look at my phone. I'm like. You gotta be kidding me! So I get to the hotel. I rewatch the first quarter and mm-hmm. appalled. And I, you know, struggle through the rest of the game. But holy hell, was that bad? It's the type. It's the type of bad where um, Dwayne Casey might like not even show anybody what happened, and just gonna be like, "Yeah, we're, we're gonna just change." He's probably gonna be like, "Okay, we're gonna change this thing and this thing, and that's it." Because it was a, it, it was bad in a way where. It's kind of hard to fix what went bad. It's kind of bad in the way where Dwayne Casey's job might be on the line. <laughs> that's that is totally possible, by the way. Like a first round exit with this team that's quote unquote all in, and then you add in all the Lowry. I'll call it drama for now because we're going all the way back to that when they blew that game against the Pistons and he had that um, very ominous "I know what needs to change" quote. Mm-hmm. Nothing has really been fixed since them since then between them, like Lowry injured his wrist he's been out the Raptors played well um the supporting cast is there now everybody's kind of like had to adjust to Lowry and these are the results right like a gigantic question mark of what unfulfilled potential yeah man I don't know this this kind of feels like that Dwight Howard JV little uh maybe not to the same extent but I'm getting that feeling where it's just acidic between the two more and more acidic and they're acting like they're okay but it's kind of like that relationship between those two people in your friend group where like they act like it's okay but then when they talk to you one-on-one they're just like man i can't stand this person right but doesn't <laughs> it feel like there's something off of the raptors or is it just me because i feel like something's really off with this team right now and it's not talent it's chemistry we got a chemistry it's a chemistry issue but it doesn't seem like a player chemistry issue and that's probably why we're getting to the coaching thing right now where it's like pj tucker PJ Tucker's a new addition, but it seems like he's he's the dude going like, "What's what's going on here? Aren't we supposed to be doing some great stuff?" You know what I mean? And like Serge Ibaka hasn't really said anything. That's a good point. He hasn't said anything well, major. That's a good point. Right. So I think hmm. this this might be in between the players and the coaches, or 
and that's the only thing I can think of because Terrence Ross wasn't necessarily like the heart and soul of this team. You know, they weren't saying he was no. like right. So there, there has to be like a mismanagement thing, or people, or maybe like the players are losing faith in the coach. I don't really see them like you know somebody just like completely freestyle. Like you know, if they lost faith in the coach when like PJ Tucker is running pick and roll and jacking up threes. That's what you yeah. <laughs> well, here, let me ask you this then. The Raptors' issues on offense, are they not systemic? Systemic in the sense that, uh, I mean, it's the way it's designed, it's designed to maximize the capabilities of Lowry and DeRozan. But uh, that that gets stopped in the in the playoffs. Remember remember the Paul George thing that we talked about? Like, yeah. a couple podcasts ago where, like, DeMar DeRozan, yeah. like, Paul George on DeMar DeRozan, and, like, DeMar DeRozan couldn't do anything. And the same thing when um, it, It's Chris Middleton now. Right, so now he has Chris Middleton. Not as good as a defender, but still pretty good. Still very good, actually. And then uh, Kyle Lowry has Brogdon all over him, and this is just, like, when George Hill was on Lowry. And now that this, like, the length, the length just stops the pump fake shenanigans. Um, DeMar DeRozan ha- doesn't have that advantage of the post-up or being able to shoot over his man. And Lowry's just afraid of getting his shot blocked. Like, he just never attempts shots at the rim anymore. Well, let me ask you this, too, because when I watched the Rockets-Thunder game last night, after the game, James Harden had some interesting things to say about Russell Westbrook. He said, you know, we know he's going to shoot, and he's the only guy they have, and he basically just wants to do it all himself anyway, so we let him shoot. And right. we saw the results where Westbrook was 4 of 18 in the fourth quarter. Um, I kind of thought watching that, I'm like, hey, you know what? Maybe the Raptors are easier to defend in the postseason because teams know it's just Lowry and DeRozan. Yeah, man. And it's in all isolation situations. Yeah, man. If you just load up on them, it forces them to trust their teammates, and then it's up to their teammates to make the plays. But I'm not really confident in Corey Joseph. And it's it's gone to a weird point where like people are passing wide open, passing up wide open shots. Like I, I remember specifically, I think this was in the second quarter, where Corey Joseph was just wide open and he passes to Patrick Patterson in the corner, and he was like semi covered by a dude. Like it's gone to a point where they're just passing up shots now because it's, if it's not Lowry or DeRozan, then it has to be somebody else, and nobody else wants to be that someone else. Other than like Serge Ibaka, Serge Ibaka is willing to be that dude. I don't get it, and what kills me too is that. Again in this game, we saw Giannis on the bench, and I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I'm pretty certain the Bucks went on a 14 to four run. I'd have to mm-hmm. go, go back and double check that, but the point is they went on another run with Giannis on the bench. Those are supposed to be minutes where the Raptors and what you like to call the Jurassic Five really puts their stamp on the game, and they either a keep it tight or b help the Raptors surge ahead, and that hasn't happened at all. Yeah, man, it's the code the code Corey joseph just hasn't been effective this well this game specifically was just like a like a zero he's probably like minus 22 <laughs> plus minus i mean everybody wasn't everybody was a minus except for like uh people that were playing in the fourth quarter he's just uh Corey joseph is just not able to get off that mid-ranger and then patrick patterson like the the length is a huge issue man and i we talked about this in game number three where just whole containing that the floor space, not necessarily just the vertical space, but just the horizontal space on the court. It's such a big issue for getting around when you have like a small point guard or when they're playing those two small point guards and you know, the Bucks o- the Bucks are always big. You know, they can be playing small, but everybody is still like six six with like six eight wingspan, so it's always a big or a long team. And they just can't deal with it. 
Yeah, that's when they just can't deal with it. Here's what kills me, though. It's like the Seahawks in football where they're going to line up, they're going to play really tight, but they're only going to play two schemes, cover one or cover three. Mm-hmm. The Bucks are going to play the same scheme on you. They're going to double-team you, and they're going to blitz you hard, mm-hmm. wherever they can in terms of like hard hedge or like just they're going to put a lot of pressure on you. The Raptors know this, so I don't understand. Like, It's not a shock anymore. It's no surprise. I get that the length is real, but if you can't determine a way to kind of mitigate that effect and have something drawn up to either A, move the ball around, or, you know, just something. Something that isn't going to look like you're shocked. Like, the Raptors look shell-shocked again tonight. Yeah, and it's... When was the last time you saw somebody cut for, like, a layup? On this Before team? Christ? <laughs> like, in the... Reg- you, like, like, seriously, but, like, playoffs, <laughs> regular season, when was, like, the last time you saw somebody, like, cut in for a layup? Ah, man. There, down the stretch in the regular season, there's a few instances where, like, you would see it be more... I guess more visible in games, but it's never too often, right? So now it's in the playoffs. Like when they get those blitzes off on the on the ball handler, nobody's making the cut for the for for a back door or to catch the ball on the run. Like you'll see them the blitz. Lowry, this especially happens to DeRozan because he picks up his dribble. Like he's he gets frightened and he picks up his dribble, and everybody will stand in designated spots on the court. And they don't move. Right? So then it just becomes super easy to cover. So even though they're running that same defense all the time, it's not like it's not like the the Raptors are exploiting it in any way. They're just like, uh 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 what do I do? And then they just pass it out and then they pass it to like the typically they'll short like the screen and roll. And uh, you know, the wing gets it and then the wing doesn't pass it to the big man who's running through the middle, who's like sidestepping through the middle. And then the defense just recovers, and then you're back to like zero, and you just lost time on the shot clock. But these are things that like you should have had resolved midway through the season. Like you know when he was playing around the rotation, and we were saying who's the ninth, tenth guy in in terms of Powell mm-hmm. or uh, Delon Wright. Right. Like, those are issues you should be resolving before the postseason. Not okay. If we see this scenario, what should we do? And right now, it looks like the Raptors are back to ground zero. Where yeah. These and- issues we're talking about, they're literally watching film, breaking it down, going like, okay. How can we attack this? You shouldn't have to watch film for this stuff. You just know right away. Like, that's a, if this that's, comes at you, do this. That's like a training camp, beginning of the season. Um, yeah. Like, I think they just want to talk about And, um, yeah, that's a coaching issue. And the more, like, from last year to this year, and especially in this in this series, I'm starting to think is, um, remember the Warriors when they had Mark Jackson? Yep. Like, oh, Mark Jackson's such a great coach, you know, like, he riles up the team. He's a great cheerleader, preacher, because he was literally a preacher, and um, the, the, the <laughs> team loves him, and then, you know, they fired him, or they didn't even fire him, I think his contract just, just didn't get re- renewed, and there's a lot of animosity between him and the Warriors, and then Steve Kerr came in, and they're just like, oh man, but we lost Steven Jackson, or sorry, not Steven Jackson, Mark Jackson, and then, you know, Steve Kerr is like, okay, everything you were doing before, just scrap that. We're going to rebuild this entire thing from scratch, right? And I think that Mark Jackson was a good coach, and then Steve Kerr was a great coach, right? I feel like um, Dwayne Casey is, like, our Mark Jackson right now, where, like, he's a good coach, you know? He's good good at developing younger players, and uh, he's, you know, he can get that team to, like, 50 wins. I'm pretty sure the Warriors even won, like, in the high 40s, maybe even 50. No, they probably didn't win 50. In the high 40s with Mark Jackson, but to get to that next step, they need a different coach. 
to actually in to actually like innovate the offense and like make it coalesce more because it's so it's so 90s now that it's gotten to a point where i'm like i know exactly what's gonna happen and they haven't been able to evolve the offense in any way even though it's the same core pieces that's a good analogy and it's maddening to watch this stuff on a night-to-night basis but the issue with that is like if you let casey go which if they lose this series i think he's gone Mm -hmm. who do you bring in next jerry stackhouse Okay, that I was literally going to get to that point of that. Jerry Stackhouse is my guy I bring in next. Yes. Everybody Stackhouse works with, man, results are there every time. He demands effort from his players. Like, if you're going to drag your ass, are you going to sulk like Kyle Lowry's doing right now? Mm-hmm. And I know it's a bit harsh to say sulking, but his press conference, the dirty looks between him and Casey during the game, like, something is off there between those two. I don't know what it is exactly. You think it's like Even animosity? Ends, I, I feel like there's animosity. Wow, <laughs> man! Lowry's been known in the past and throughout his career that if things don't necessarily go his way, he's very vocal about what needs to change. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do it publicly, but there's been a lot of talk about maybe Lowry doesn't like what's going on, especially with Casey's system. Right? Okay. I yeah. think there is. It doesn't make any sense to me why. Like, yes, Lowry's the kind of guy that'll push you and kind of annoy you at times to make want to make change, and he's very um, headstrong, I guess you could say, but. This is this is beyond headstrong at this point. Yeah, well, I just I have no other explanation. Like this is an all star. This is a guy who has arguably hit his peak later on in his career, and you would think that based on the way his career trajectory has gone, still has two to three years left in his prime, just because he's a late bloomer. And what he all of a sudden just doesn't play well in the postseason and looks like an average guy because of the postseason drama, like the postseason what. Hype? Like, I, I don't understand. I'm at a struggle and <laughs> loss for words to describe this because it doesn't make any sense. Right. Well, we're we're going to see, man. Because in game four, that is where, like, Casey's medal's really going to get tested, okay? Because that's a... He's literally at the point where it's must win or this might cost you your, um, your job in the league. And uh, you will be down 3-1. And uh, the... the fr- from what you've seen... This could cost him like the locker room at this point, especially if they lose the series, right? I can't. Well, dude, look at last season too, when the Raptors lost in the postseason on the road, mm-hmm. they were getting crunched. Like, yeah, they were getting blown out. They Those were always getting, yeah, they were getting destroyed in the, on the road. <laughs> the Raptors are six and twenty-six on the road in the postseason. <laughs> Wait, is that during his tenure or does in in total? In general, okay. But during his tenure, it's still not good, anyways. <laughs> yeah, a lot of those losses have came during his tenure. Right, so, uh, yeah, man, uh, Stag Stag is waiting for his uh, opportunity in the D-League, the 905, we're going into the finals, Bruno might get a ring before anybody else on the Raptors, just soak soak that in, (laughs) let that sink in, baby, let it in, (laughs) oh my goodness, and, uh, yeah, Dwayne Case, I don't think, I don't think Stackhouse is, like, you know, licking his chops, you know, like, saying, that's my opportunity, but I think he's, like, you know, man, if you mess up. Like he's like standing in a shadow, basically. You know, just looking for. How that. could he not be licking his chops a bit? Like, obviously, him and Casey are tight. He said numerous times, Casey's shown him a lot of things. But at the same time, if you're Jerry Stackhouse, this is a great opportunity. You're gonna take over a team that is arguably one of the three best teams in the East, and I have to use arguably now because Washington, Cleveland, is Boston the same as us now? Or better? Chica- Chicago's like, the best team in the East, man. What are you talking? I, about? You stop that. <laughs> you stop that. That's enough. <laughs> 
I mean, okay, who do, who seriously looks like the best team? Like the best team right now, the best team and the second best team in the East. Like, who do you see in the Eastern in the Conference East? Finals? Uh, the best team is the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the second best team is LeBron James. No, oh, okay, by himself. Yep. Five LeBrons versus to, the Cavs. What, do you, what do you think? Oh, five LeBrons versus I'll take just about anybody. <laughs> okay. Here's a question for you: If you put LeBron James on any team in the NBA, can they beat the Warriors? And you don't need to like take off a player. Like you could put LeBron on the on the Spurs with Kawhi, mm-hmm. or LeBron on the Rockets. Can that Ooh. team beat the Warriors? Ooh, LeBron on the Rockets. That sounds so. Just some good. food for thought. Ooh, LeBron on the Spurs would be something else, man. Can you imagine they beat the Warriors? LeBron with like a but can you imagine LeBron with like a legit like awesome coach? Because he has it. I mean, Spo was a very good coach, but imagine him with Pop. I mean, LeBron would just. I don't think LeBron would ever shoot again, I and mean, he would average like twenty five assists a game. Like, I could see that. <laughs> like thirteen, <laughs> he would like ten points, thirteen rebounds because he would probably be playing center at some point, right? And then just like twenty five assists per game. You just find you know you just find all the cutters. I mean, you just give LeBron the ball and like everybody just everybody just cut, right? Find him at the high post. Everybody cut around him. Low post. Everybody cut around him. You know, drive to the basket. All you have to do is just wait at the three point line and hit the three. I mean, it's what he does in Cleveland now. But like, imagine it when like the defense. Imagine it when like the offense is like designed to do stuff and like they have plays that maximizes potential instead of him. Like, I got the ball. Okay, I'm gonna back Doing in, everything. back in, back in, back in, back in. Okay, nobody came to help. I'm a Duncan. Back in, back in, back in. No, oh, somebody came to help. We gotta pass and then pass, pass, pass around the horn. Like, there's nothing really like like there are plays designed, but like nothing to the to the to the level of Coach Popovich, of course. So, him on the Spurs would be nice versus the Warriors. Well, I think any, he could be the Warriors. Any team though, could that team beat the Warriors? I think so. Yeah. Probably. You think so? I think I think I would take one of those teams too. I you'd think probably, I would take the field. You probably take. You probably play him at like. Uh, power forward uh, on the Spurs, and then quiet small forward. Who? And then you would play Lamarcus at the five. That'd be sweet. <laughs> Food for. I know th- it's like completely off track from Jerry Stackhouse. Yeah, but it was just a thought that crossed my mind. Yeah, so you know Stackhouse, man. You know luck is when opportunity meets preparation. Man, he's been. You know if Dwayne Casey flames out, he's been. You know, coaching the 905 to a championship in the D League or the G League, he's, sorry, the G League. But he's been doing a lot more than just that to give people an idea of how hard Stackhouse works. He has an AAU program in Toronto that's been very successful for years. He's built that thing from literally the ground up. He goes to USA basketball camps and coaching clinics all the time. He knows a ton of players around the NBA that come to him to work on their offensive game because people might forget this. Jerry Stackhouse led the NBA in scoring one year. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, he still goes to North Carolina and helps out there. Like this guy is just everywhere helping player development, and he's very well respected amongst the NBA, X's and O's wise. He's great. And if you want to go off the track and you know, something that's fun for the fans, his trash talk game, <laughs> elite, second to none. Like yeah. look at last year in the summer league when uh, they hit the three to win, and he goes, they go, uh, Stackhouse, what did you call? You call time out there? He goes, Nah, I call game. Like, what's not to love about that? <laughs> <laughs> quoting Paul Pierce yeah like, uh, yeah man it's excellent man I'm, and he'd probably even give the Raptors that edge you know you know well this year it's PJ Tucker and Serge Ibaka giving them the edge but he would also be that guy that you know there's not somebody to be messed with and if you're going to mess with him he's probably going to trash talk you into oblivion I can, don't I can, you feel like Casey holds everybody accountable too though he's kind of a disciplinary yeah but 
you know, in the in the year two thousand seventeen, do do people, players appreciate a disciplinarian? Probably not. Right. So, like, Coach Pop has never he's been a disciplinarian, but then he softened up over the years. Ty Lue, you know, he's he's kind of like a rah rah coach, right? And then you think about Spo Spo is Spo's his own beast. I don't even <laughs> can't even put Spo in the box. Well, did you hear this on Twitter? I don't know if you saw this at all, and I've actually had some people text me tonight about this. They're prepared for the step back tomorrow. The year where we quote-unquote tank, Ooh. and just tank for a good draft pick and reload. Ooh, is that it? Ooh. I don't know if you heard rumblings about that. I mean, that's Ooh. something we talked about at the beginning of the season. Ooh. But now it's coming to the forefront. Ooh. I am uh, I am down for this. I have absolutely, I am absolutely down for that. A lot well, of you young- basically waste DeRozan, though. You could trade DeRozan. I don't know who. <laughs> this is a teardown. This is like a drop of a nuke. You trade the rose. I mean, bye like, bye Raptors. You let Ibaka go. You let PJ go. You know, you'd have to let Lowry go. You trade the rose for picks. JV, you're probably looking for a trade for him. You got Delon. What's right? his role? What's going on with him? Before you go any further with this, uh, <laughs> you got Powell. scorched earth approach. Powell, Powell, you got right. <laughs> hey, you're uh, next year. Look, it's looking like Van Fleet, Powell. But, Kojo, Kojo will be there. Baby, baby, baby. You got probably resign Patterson. Bruno, PT for Bruno. Like, <laughs> I know we're done. We're done with that. What's up with JV? <laughs> JV, JV in this series, man. I don't think he will. Like, I thought about something. I'm like, yo, man, what if he just never played in this series? And then I was like, that's really stupid. But then I thought about. it for a little bit longer, I'm just like, he's getting scorched on defense, like in every lineup on defense, he's getting scorched. Thonmaker at the cool. 5, he's getting killed. Uh, Greg Monroe at the 5, he's getting killed. Tedakumpo at the 5, he's getting killed. So I'm just like, why we, Why do you ever play him? He's not destroying them in the paint. You know, he had like, what, uh, 8 rebounds today? 7 rebounds today. Dude, Greg Monroe owns him right now. Yeah, the up and under. Greg Monroe looks like I don't want to say Andre Drummond. He, <laughs> he looks, looks like, like a, he Dwight looks like Akeem right out there, bro. <laughs> he looks like some iteration of Akeem Olajuwon slash Dwight Howard in the prime at the moment. Like those up and unders, the mid range, just backing him down and the hook shot. Like every literally everything that he that Greg Monroe has is working. And that's take, the problem. Take this in. We're saying Greg Monroe's full arsenal's on display, and we're impressed. Before the series started, we said we, we joked around. If Greg Monroe's playing well, then uh, you know we probably still don't have to worry. Yeah, exactly. And now it's like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah, that's a serious issue for JV man. His defense has always been a problem, but for him to be killed, I mean, I even said this to you yesterday or a couple of days ago. It's like, who's a good post defender on on the Raptors? There's just none, right? So yeah. Greg Monroe is just you know he's just running he's running over everybody. He's like he's the sixth man. I think some people even voted him for a sixth man of the year. And uh, it's just impossible to stop. I think even... It, this goes back to like a theory that Nate Duncan had like like a year ago where he was talking about if you have like a dominant uh, low-post offensive player, it's not going to work on the first unit because, you know, everybody likes to play like a smallish type uh, th- uh, three-point shooting unit as their first... as their starting five you had that guy off the bench nobody has like a good post defender off the bench like that's just not a thing in the nba right 
So you can just yeah. you eviscerate teams. And that's what the, the Bucks have, you know, they found that out. And it's working perfectly. Like, there's no good post defenders on the Raptors, especially not off the bench. It's like, Bebe is not killing, not going to, you know, block you in the post. And neither is Pirtle. And it's just, you know, it just works. <laughs> it works purposely, purpose, perfectly. He had, what, 16 points today and 7 rebounds, six, 3 assists. Even had a block and, a, and block and 2 steals. See, I think there's a misconception with that, though, because people will quickly point out how the Warriors and the Rockets, you know, they play that pace and space, shoot a ball of three, small ball lineup. Mm-hmm. But those teams still do have guys that can defend. They may be a bit undersized, but, like, you look at Draymond Green. You go look at a Clint Capella or a Montrez Harrell. Mm-hmm. These guys can defend the post, whereas yeah, the Raptors exactly. are what? Yeah, this like, is... JB's supposed to be that guy. Supposed to be. See, that's the problem. Supposed to be. Not is. Well, Scott Lowry and DeRozan are supposed to be our superstars carrying us, too, <laughs> but, you know, for some reason, when the when the regular season ends and the postseason begins, they disappear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think every year we're every year in the playoffs we drift further and further away from uh, JV being an effective player. Just uh, JV, dude, the whole team. We're the Clippers yeah. East. Oh man, Clippers East. Hey man, Clippers East. That core four of uh, JJ Redick, uh, DJ Blake Griffin, and Chris Paul are like the second best uh, four man rotation or four man combination in in the league. It's but, so good they can never get out of the second round. The bench sucks. The bench is awful. The Raptors have a different problem where their center is like JV doesn't suck. He just his skill set is not the correct skill set for NBA today. Much like the Clippers, the Raptors' psyche is contaminated. I don't know what it is. There's no other explanation because both teams are riddled with talent. You could say mm-hmm. their bench sucks, and you know Doc Rivers, the GM, screwed over Doc Rivers, the coach, by signing some guys to egregious contracts. But that team is still talented enough to make it. To at least the Western Conference Finals. Right. Same thing with the Raptors. And for whatever reason, postseason strikes, and it's just like, uh, you guys want to golf now? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, screw this. <laughs> I don't get it. I think I we came like to, like, a, we, a cynic, but. I think we really came down to the root of it, whereas it's coaching, man. It's come to, to a coaching issue. And JV. And I hate to tell I hate to say that, but it's come down to coaching and JV at this point. You just need more I, I agile. Say that too, but we said this in the middle, I want to say. February was the bad loss to the Pistons. We came mm-hmm. on after that game, and we were like, "Dude, it it has to be the coaching." Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we say this every year, and then you know they the Raptors like they'll come back on like they'll go on a winning streak, and we're like, "Ah, oh, you know everything's going well," and then you know in the playoffs like things are collapsing. We're like, "Oh man, fire Dwayne Casey's on," and then you know last year then they won two game sevens. And then they lost in the sixth game, but they still got shellacked in those away games. And yes. uh, he's like able to make adjustments, but he's not able to proactively make those adjustments to surprise the other team. It's always a reaction, and it's Dude, just you, you could argue those two series wins last year were kind of a mirage. Like, yeah, they were nice, but they were seven games. They still lost on the road. They were very inefficient for give or take close to half of those series. Mm-hmm. They could have lost to, that, one, to the Pacers. Yeah, we're one Paul George. Being back in the game. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Frank Vogel, but we're one Paul George insertion on the court away from being... Dwayne Casey-less. A lot of questions. <laughs> Dwayne Casey-less, DeMar DeRozan, I don't know if he resigns. He loses in the first round. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's it, That's where we what are right now. What needs to happen for the Raptors? Oh, it is, but what needs to happen... For you to have your confidence restored to the Raptors, 
they need to like destroy the Bucks in Game Four, and then destroy the Bucks in Game Five, and then I'd be like, okay, you know, we'll make it to the to the Eastern Conference Finals. But my idea is, uh, I mean, the kids. Uh, the thing is, I think they can beat Cleveland this way. I just don't. I just think the Bucks specifically are designed in the way to just stop Toronto and like what they're supposed to be doing right now. Like if they play, because they would play Chicago, right? Wait, they're the number two. So actually, no, they would play Cleveland. So no, I think they can beat Cleveland like this. It's just like the Bucks are just super long, super athletic, and that's perfect against people that are like play in isolation. But the Cavs, like Kyle Lowry versus uh. Kyrie Irving 1v1 are you kidding me there's nobody even to protect the rim you know like uh, DeMar, DeMar DeRozan is going to torch uh, J.R. Smith he hasn't played well this year Iman Shumpert has played terribly this year right the but the bench is like great shooting for the Cavs but like defensively they're awful like they can get torched so if, if they can make it past the Bucks then then I'm good like then I'm then I'm back in but right now I'm out okay for me it's not even like if they beat the Bucks, my confidence still is even restored. <laughs> that's a round one victory. Yeah, I think that's they can not, lose. I honestly think they surprise. can lose. I honestly think they will. They can lose. And I think it's like a fifty-fifty chance right now that they that would lose, they lose the series. I agree. I agree. And the thing for me is that we argued at the beginning of the season what is success for the Raptors in this franchise now. And to me, beating the Bucks in the first round is not a victory. That's an expectation. That's something that should happen every year where we get out of the first round. Mm. If we can't even do that and we have to celebrate that still, that speaks more about what the culture and what winning is to this Raptors franchise. That's not an accomplishment to beat the Bucks in round one. <laughs> so for me to have my confidence restored, mm-hmm. yeah, I beat the Cavs in round two. I know it sounds lofty expectations, but we're at the growth stage with the Raptors now where, hey, you go get that Larry O'Brien. You're going to get to at least the conference finals again? Like These are things that need to happen on a regular basis. That's true. Or what's the point of being so invested in this core? Yeah, well, if you're going to... Yeah, you're right. If you're going to make like the Serge Ibaka trade, P.J. Tucker trade, what's the point in like trying to make the team good right now if you're not good right now? <laughs> yeah. It basically become the Knicks, right? Where you're just like... Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. Hold on a second there. Raptors and Knicks analogy? Dude... I'm not ready to tell. I mean, I'm not jumping off the balcony of my hotel tonight. <laughs> I'm just saying they're in danger, man. They're in danger. The a coaching change. I'm feeling like it's like actually needed now. I like and your it, Mark Jackson analogy, and it's not like a very fitting. And it's not like a fire KC. It's more like I think we should move on. You know what I mean? It's more of a, a calm realization versus like a visceral. I hate this dude. You see what I'm getting at? You know what it is to me? Yeah, no, I do. I think. Like you know, those everybody has friends like this. That that couple that fights all the time, but they stay together for years, even though they're not good for each other. It's kind of mm-hmm. toxic. Mm-hmm. It's like two skeletons dating each other. It's right. never gonna work. The relationship is dead, but like they still feel like it works. So whatever, <laughs> two skeletons gonna be together. That's kind of the Raptors and Casey right now. I feel like where it's just like we know it's not gonna work. It's showing us that year in and year out now. No, but we're hope, but, but we hope, reason, we but no, but them. eventually, but eventually, we hope it. it you know, we hope the romance gets sparked again. Like <laughs> the first exactly, exactly. <laughs> we're gonna try everything. We're gonna go on like dates. We're gonna like you know, double date. We're gonna like try we're going skydiving. It's just, but it's the, yeah. Eventually, somebody comes to realize we're like, yo, man, this is not working. Okay, I think it's both time for both of us to move on. You know, this was a great run. Um. Uh, you know, mutually accept that uh, 
that it doesn't fully work out and we're not going in the direction that we either of us want to go and it's and it's over it shouldn't be that hard to be honest i mean it is hard i mean it is hard and even in the in the relationship analogy and in the basketball analogy it's very hard to do something like that because you're setting setting your ways you know you know what to expect most of the time it's all right you don't want to quit like you just don't want to quit you're just like eh. Yeah. I swear we can make this work. <laughs> yeah. I swear we can make this work. I know we can. We just don't want to quit on it. Oh, man. Now that we're putting in the relationship thing, man, and the Mark Jackson thing, oh, my God, we should move. We we need to leave. Okay. This is the, I agree. That's do you not think, a good point. That's here's the thing. Do you think Masai Ujiri sees it? Like, does he does he understand that a coaching change is probably needed? Or was, is How he even willing to make that trade or make that uh, upgrade or change? That goes back to the whole what is success for the Raptors question. If it is reaching the title, which you like to think it is, then yeah. How can Messiah Jury, one of what everybody considers to be the savviest general managers in the NBA, not see this? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, he definitely sees this. I mean, he's privy to conversations within the locker room. I know players don't act the same when the general manager or executives are roaming around the locker room. That's no secret. But I'm sure he's heard from both Casey, Lowry, DeRozan, even other guys there, like, man, even the janitor who's picking up towels in the, in the locker room has probably overheard some stuff. And a jury probably picked his brain. Like He knows what's going on. He has a good pulse of this team. So, I don't know. To me, I think that means, hey, it's time for a change. Yeah. And it's well. sad that we're saying this after a Game 3 loss because the series <laughs> isn't over. Like We're acting like it's over. I know, but, you know, yeah, you know, foresight, I mean, I guess. Yeah, I was just about to say, yeah, I was about to say the same thing, like, existential crisis, man. That's what happens when you lose. And you lose badly, too. That's that's what, exactly what happens. We've seen teams in the past, though. If you don't get to where they expect you to get to be in the season, like, in the Raptors' case, I think coming off an Eastern Conference Finals, losing they lose in the first. They one, lose in the first round, he's getting fired, man. It's just, it's well, what, not. If they, what if they sneak by in seven games in round one? I still think he's on the hot seat. That's unacceptable. Hmm. I hate to be that guy, but... Okay, here. Let's say they get by the Bucks in seven games and they and get whacked like, off by like the swept up, five. like five or something. Yeah, then yeah, that's off. Yeah, especially when the Cavs have like not looked very good. Like they look good, but they don't look very good. The Cavs are trash right now. Yeah, the they're not playing. They're not playing well at all. Like they're giving up 114 points to the Pacers, man. <laughs> this is and the Pacers have no offense. They have like no offense in the league play. all season. Yo, I can't believe. Don't this. don't tell me Lance Stevenson's the savior there either. About you know. <laughs> Insert Lance back in the offense, and they're scoring 100 points. Lance will make them dance. Oh, Lance will make them dance, all right. Oh, man. Wait, <laughs> I don't yeah. know what it is, man. <laughs> I, I, know, though, rap, I, I don't even say Raptors fans. There's nothing positive to say this night. Actually, nothing positive to say. Yeah, this is one of them where you just, like, burn the tape. You watch it one time, and you be like, okay, I got some things, and you're just like, okay, we're never watching this again. That's pretty much it. I'm not even making a copy. <laughs> yeah, no, it was probably, yeah, you just, like, the video guy gives you, like, here's the full game. You rewatch the full game, and it's like, okay. Like, you're taking your notes during it, it's like, okay, throw that in the fire. Or throw it off the plane. Actually, don't throw it off the plane, because it might kill somebody on its way down, but throw it in the fire. I might suspend the video guy for giving me the tape in the first place. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? Why would I ever want to That's see just, this? Yeah, why would I want to see this, dude? <laughs> on that note... I'd like to thank everybody listening to this episode of the Toronto Raptors Tip of the Tower podcast. Um, this post mortem was not pleasant. So, sorry, not sorry, but this is what happened. 
As always, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tip of the Tower. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud at Tip of the Tower. You can follow me on Twitter at Crystal Granites. You can follow Demar Grant on Twitter at Demar J Grant. I gonna say, guys, um, Jerry Stackhouse soon coming to the ACC near you. <laughs> I don't even make sense, I'm but so excited. What for this. What else, no change, guys? See you guys. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.